0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more
1: information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now let's worship God by opening his word. Good morning, church family. My name is Kayla Langston, and I'm the kids minister here at our Argyle campus. And I just wanted to take a quick second to make you all aware of something that we have coming up, and it's our annual kids town hall. So, this is for anyone who currently serves or subs in TDC Kids, but this year we're also opening it up to all of our parents of TDC Kids. Or if you're just curious about what we do in TDC Kids and you'd like, To learn about our ministry, you're welcome to come too. So, all are welcome, but we'd love for our parents um, specifically to join us this year, as well as, like I said, our current volunteers. So, we'll be talking about what the Lord did in 2023, take a look back, and celebrate all the things that we've learned and gotten to do. And then we'll also look forward to 2024. We'll actually give you a list of all of our upcoming events for the whole year um, with the dates that we have for that um, and just talk about themes and things that we'll be learning. So I hope that you'll mark your calendar. It's the 21st right after the second gathering. Um, so I hope that you'll plan to join us for that. Now we're going to do our scripture reading. So if you'll grab your Bible, we're going to be in James today. Be in James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your people, God. Thank you that we can come and gather today under the banner of Christ um, and dive into your word together and learn um, more about what you've spoken to us, God. Lord, I pray... um, that you would speak through Mitch today, Lord. I pray that you would prepare our hearts, um, that we would just be ready to receive what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning.
0: Uh, As Kayla said, my name is Mitch. I'm the student minister here at TDC, and I just want to start by saying it really is an honor and a privilege just to be able to stand here and preach God's word to God's people. It's something that I don't take lightly. So... I'm just grateful to be here, but before I start, I wanted to talk about one of our church partners. So here at The Door Church, we firmly believe in church planning. We believe that it's very biblical to do so. And recently, we had one of our church partners, Dan James, come over and visit us from England. And Dan is in a community called Monsel, and he has felt called to plant Monsel Community Church And so we just wanted to rally behind him as today, which it probably already happened because they're ahead of us, but today they officially launched their church plant. So we just wanted to rally behind them and love on them and show them our support and just a quick story about Dan. So he came and visited us a few months back and he's a very tall man, a tall English man. And so I got to spend a lot of time with him and When he left, I went to go give him a hug. And he's so tall that when I went to go hug him, you know how like bros hug, it's one arm over, one arm under. Well, he's so tall that I had no choice but to go double unders. And I have never felt like less of a man than in that moment (laughs) when you hug a grown man with two arms under But I just thought that was so funny, but Dan is a great guy and we love him. So would you join me in just praying for him and his church this morning? Lord, we just come to you today with excitement and hearts filled with gratitude and encouragement for what you do through your church and through your people. And today we specifically want to pray for Erasmusel Community Church and Dan as he leads that church, uh, we just pray that you would have your hand over them and that you would love on them and and make them feel supported and encouraged. And I just pray that Dan knows he is not alone. Um, as he leads, just remind him that he's a part of a body. He's not on an island by himself but we are all here as the body of Christ to wrap our arms around each other and spread the gospel. And I just pray that you could use Erasmusel Community Church to spread the gospel in that community. So just be with Dan, be with his congregation and love on them, Um, help them to feel encouraged. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I gotta be honest with you. Scott called me a few days ago, and he asked, would you be ready to preach? And when Scott gave me the call, originally, I had a lot of thoughts of nervousness. I mean, I think anyone would. I'm not some communication expert. I'm not very articulate. And I started comparing myself to our teaching team, and I'm like, man, I I can't preach like them. But then... I was reminded of this story that one of my seminary professors told me. He had the opportunity to go overseas and visit a bunch of historical churches. And one of the churches he got to visit was the very church that Martin Luther, the reformer, preached at. And Martin Luther was a guy that came and he had all these grievances against the church and he reformed the church and helped print Bibles and, and give them to the people so that they could read the Bible for themselves. So he, he was an incredible guy, and he was a great preacher, one of the best to ever do it. And so my professor, he walks in, and he sees the very pulpit that Martin Luther preached at, and he walks up to it, and right to the left, there was a painting of a depiction of when Martin Luther was actually preaching his sermon And in that painting, Martin Luther had one finger pointing to his Bible and his other finger pointing to a cross. And I thought to myself, well, if Martin Luther, one of the greatest to ever do it, had one finger in the text and the other finger pointing to the cross of Christ, why should I do any different? And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. And we're going to do that by looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So... I encourage you to grab a Bible if you haven't already done so. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, feel free to keep the one in front of you. Uh, but before we get into the verses, let's, let's give some context to help us understand where we're at in the book of James. So, this book was written by Jesus' brother, James. And James, he was an influential leader in the church of Jerusalem. And he was so influential and so significant in the church of Jerusalem that Paul actually refers to him as a pillar of the church. But what's a little different about the book of James is the purpose isn't so much to teach us any new theological concepts. He's not teaching us anything new here. But instead, James is calling us to a genuine faith, He wants us to actually walk with the Lord. He wants us to follow Christ and have wholehearted devotion to Jesus, which hopefully every single one of us in this room strive for that. Hopefully we long to have wholehearted devotion to Jesus. But unfortunately, that's not our natural urge or our natural desire To have wholehearted devotion to Jesus, it's just not natural to us. And it's not natural because we love us some of ourselves, right? We think we are the greatest thing to walk the earth. And because we think that, what we do is we build our own kingdoms. We glorify ourselves. And we create these kingdoms that are filled with pride. And these kingdoms that are filled with arrogance rather than living for God's kingdom. Our hearts are bent towards selfishness and arrogance and pride. And we can look at pretty much any aspect of our life. We can look at our marriages. I, I, I see this in mine sometimes. You say, well, if my spouse isn't giving me what I want, then I'm not going to give them what they want. Well, all that is is selfishness, arrogance, and pride. We can see it in our work. We go to work and we say, I want to be the hardest worker. I want the promotion. I want to make the most money. I want to be the best. All that is is pride, arrogance, and selfishness. We can see it in our parenting. I'm a new parent. And I, I already feel this urge to say, hey, I want to raise this kid to be such a good kid because he's a reflection of who I am. And so now I have this urge to make him this well-behaved child because it's my reputation on the line. All that is is selfishness, pride, and arrogance. These sinful desires in our hearts, all they do is corrupt the things that God meant for good. And so the truth is is that selfishness Arrogance and pride, they are at the root of every sin that we commit. Because what we're doing when when we demonstrate those things is what we're saying is, you know what, I know more than God. My desires and my urges are far more important than a holy God. How arrogant. C.S. Lewis says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. And that's exactly what James is going to talk about this morning, and he does so by coming after a group of merchants or small business owners. In verse 13, he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit.'" So to me, this verse right off the bat is pretty funny because what James is doing is he's calling these merchants out. He's saying, you got it all figured out, don't you? Your plans are set. And he goes through. If you look at this verse, they know when they're going. They say, today or tomorrow, we're going. They know where they're going. They're going to such and such town. They know how long they're going. They say, we're going to go for a year. And they know that they will be successful. It says, We will trade and make a profit. So they've got it all figured out. Their plan is set in stone, but they're missing one very important component in their plan, and that's God. This is why the sin of arrogance and pride is so dangerous, because it's sneaky. See, as I was studying and preparing for this, I read this verse and I said, I don't see the problem. What's wrong? All these people are doing are creating plans for their lives and for their businesses. They're being responsible. And I'm a planner. I love structure and organization. And I had a hard time seeing the issue. But when you take a second to think about it, how arrogant is it That they have such blindness to their own sin. It's shocking the blindness that they have because there is zero dependence on God. Zero. All of the dependence is on themselves. How arrogant to sit there and say, you know what? I don't need to go to the all knowing, all powerful God. I'm good. How prideful is it to say that, you know what? I don't think I need guidance from the creator of the cosmos. I got it figured out. Got it from here, God. Thanks, though. And it's easy for us to see and point out the sins of everyone around us, but for some reason, we can't see our own arrogance, our own pride in our own selfishness. But trust me, we have it. And that's why these verses are so significant for us because I I truly believe that these passages are more applicable than ever because we live in this world of busyness and complexity and all of our schedules are so full all the time. Trust me, I'm the student minister here, so I get to work with our students and I see how busy they are. They're playing three sports. They're doing extracurriculars. And and not only that, but the parents are driving them around constantly trying to manage their kids, trying to manage their marriage, trying to manage going to church. They're managing all these things, and God is nowhere to be found in it. We cannot make the same mistake and leave God out of our plans. We can't make our own plans and then just throw Lord willing on top of it and say, well, we're living for God. We've all done that or heard that said before. We're like, oh, well, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to buy a big house and a nice car, Lord willing. Well, I said Lord willing, so we're good, right? No. Pastor Tony Marita calls this functional atheism. That's the harsh truth, and we have to recognize that we are foolish, messed up people with sinful hearts that desperately need God. We should be desperate for God. But it's when we understand who we are that it helps put our need for God in the the proper perspective, and we see that in verse 14. James says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So despite the complexities and the busyness of life, we still try to control every detail. We still try to make all of these plans without seeking the Lord. And James, he humbles us by saying, You think you control anything? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. That's how little control you have. As a matter of fact, when my wife and I, we rented a U-Haul when we were moving here a few months ago, and we're from Michigan, so we were loading up our U-Haul, and I, like I said, I'm very structured and organized, and I said, okay, we have our route all mapped out. We know how long it's going to take. I know where we're stopping. I know where we're getting gas. I know where we're eating. I'm going to put all the boxes in the truck perfectly. I'm going to plan this thing out, and it's going to be smooth sailing. Well... What do you think happened? Two hours away from home, we're in the middle of nowhere Indiana, and all of a sudden, the U-joints on the U-Haul truck go. The axle sideways, and our U-Haul is literally bouncing up and down, going down the road. So we have to pull over on the side of the road, and we're stranded in the middle of nowhere. So all that planning that I did, the hours and hours that I put in trying to make this a smooth trip, I had no control. I couldn't even control the two hours ahead of me. So not only do we not have control, but he says that our life appears for a little time and then vanishes. I picture going outside on a cold day and blowing your breath into the air. You see your breath in the air. How quickly does that vanish? It lasts, what, a second, maybe two? He says that is how short and temporary our life is. He realigns our perspective and reminds us that we have no control over anything. We are extremely temporary when you look at the grand scheme of things. We are finite in every single way. But not God. God is sovereign over everything. He controls all things and he's the creator of all things. And he is infinite in every way. Colossians 1 verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And because that is true, it should drastically transform your life. It didn't say everything is created by you and for you, it said everything is created by God and for God which means we should depend on Him with every aspect of our life. So the new year just came and we all are looking to make resolutions, right? So when we make our plans for the new year or we make plans for our careers or our marriages or our kids or even our church and we're literally going through this as a church, we're moving into a new building. All of our plans Our first thought should not be, how can I build my kingdom? But our first thought should be, how can I build the kingdom of God? And as a church, we believe this so deeply that it's not about us, that it's literally one of our core values for every single person in leadership here. One of our core values is, remember, it's not about you because it's not about us at all. It's all about God. And that's why in verse 15, James says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So instead of saying, I'm good, I got it all figured out. What our response should be is, Lord, I don't have anything figured out but I know that you're good. Our response should be, I know no matter what that you have control over all things and I know that no matter what, you will sustain and provide for your people and because that is true, I trust in you and I submit to your will in my life, not my own. We submit to God's will in our life In Romans chapter 12 verse 1 Paul says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. So our lives should become a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. That is the type of genuine faith that James is calling us to. And some of us, we might be thinking, well, what does that mean? What, is it, what does it look like to actually become a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God? Well, I am glad you asked because the entire Bible points to a man named Jesus that would come and be the model of a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Jesus would step into our broken world. He would come in the flesh and walk walk amongst sinners and he would live this perfect life that we could never live. He was perfectly obedient to God and yet he would stand in our place and he would pay our debt. He owed nothing, but yet he would stand in our place and he would be mocked. And he would be beaten. And ultimately, he would be killed on a cross, all because it was the will of the Father. He said, Lord, my life is yours. In Matthew 26, verse 39, we see this unfold we see Jesus in the garden of gethsemane he's on his knees and he knows what's coming he knows how painful this will be and he does not want to go he's looking ahead and he's saying i know what's going to happen but what it says is going a little further he fell on his face and prayed saying my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will. So Jesus knew what was coming. He knew how painful it would be. He knew the wrath that would be poured out on him and he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as God wills. And so my question for you this morning, is that the way that you live? Is your life And your plans, a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And I know that sounds crazy because it's completely counterintuitive to the world that we live in. This sounds crazy to someone that doesn't know Jesus because our world, everyone wants to be Lord of their own life. We want complete control. And we have no interest in taking part in anything that doesn't benefit me. We constantly are fed this idea of independence and living your best life and doing what makes you happy. And we're chained to this worldview where we're self-sovereign over our lives. And this world exists solely for me and that's it. This is our default way of thinking when we are outside of Christ. But guess what? Not only was Jesus our model, but he is our savior. Because he didn't stop when he died on a cross for us. He rose again on the third day. He was resurrected. And because of that, we can walk in faithful obedience to the will of the Father. We can be redeemed and restored back to God. He has come and He offers to redeem our hearts and our minds so that we no longer have to think the way that the world thinks. We can think differently. We don't always have to think that everything is about me. We know that this world doesn't exist for my glory. In Christ, we can think this completely counterintuitive way. This is what Jesus does. He gives us new desires. He gives us a new heart. And it's only, it's only when we grasp his redemptive plan, when we understand that his plan was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to come die for sinners, it's only when we grasp that that we can value God's glory over our own. And because we value his glory over our own, we start to love his will instead of ours. So when we make our plans and we look to the future of our lives, the first question we ask is no longer, how can I benefit, but it's how can I build the kingdom of God? How can I glorify him? How can I live out the will of the father instead of my own? But the tough part is, we do it even if it means that our plans crumble. And I know I lost some of you. You're like, oh, well, the, the other part sounded good. I want to live, f- live for the Lord's will in my life. I really do, but hey, if my plans have to crumble, I don't know about that. Well, the good news is, is that even when our, our plans crumble, we can be happy and we can have joy, we can rejoice because of what Christ has done. We can rejoice because Revelation says there will be a day when Christ returns and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. How beautiful is that? So we can stand firm in our faith because we know there's going to be a day when Christ returns and he's gonna claim those who have trusted in him. He's going to claim those who have lived for the kingdom of God and he's going to say that you are mine. Now, I've gotten a chance to meet a lot of you in this room and I know a lot of you are believers um, but I know there might be one or two people in this room that aren't believers. Or you're, you're coming back to church for the first time in a long time, and I just want to say, I am so happy you're here because I lived a long time, a, lo- a large portion of my life without Christ, and I know the way that he transforms our hearts. He makes us new. So I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you, and I am so happy that you are here. And there's going to be people up front after our gathering that would love to continue that conversation with you and they would love to pray over you. But as we close, James has a message for people that claim to be believers. In verse 16, he says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. I love how straightforward James is here. He says those who claim to know God and don't depend on him and don't seek him and don't follow him are sinning. Boasting in our plans isn't only arrogant and selfish, but the text tells us it's evil. It's an offense to God because if you really knew God, you would know how silly it is to glorify yourself over him. But verse 17 is really what stuck out to me. James says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This verse struck me in the heart because as we read this verse we we think to ourselves okay well what is the right thing to do I have to know that well we've talked about it this whole message the right thing to do is to seek the Lord to depend on the Lord to give your life to the Lord every part of it so simply put if we don't do that we are living in sin and I think A lot of us Christians miss that. We just go about our lives and we do whatever we want. We say whatever we want. And then we go, how am I living in sin? I didn't do anything. Yeah, you're right. You didn't do anything. That is the sin of omission. You're doing nothing. You knew the right thing to do. You knew you should seek the Lord. You knew you should follow him. You knew that you should give your life to him, but you didn't. That is the sin of omission. Instead of trusting in the Lord, we can't just come to church and then slap a a Jesus loves you bumper sticker on our vehicle or one of those little fish things and say, well, I'm good. I'm living for the Lord. We can't live completely independent of God. So let me tell you this morning, I want to be very clear. If you are living in arrogant independence of God, you are living in sin and you are heading down a path that you do not want to see the end of. We are created for a specific purpose and that is to worship and glorify God. And without that, we're lost. And Ephesians tells us, without that, we are dead in our transgressions and our sins. So whether you've been a believer for 20 years or you don't even know who Jesus is, today, I want to truly invite you to actually follow Jesus. To trust that the Lord has a plan for your life. To depend on the Lord with every aspect of your life. And to become a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God instead of your own. God is the one that holds all the power. He is in control. He is the eternal creator and he is the one that sent his son Jesus to die for us. He is the one that poured out his grace and his mercy on undeserving sinners. So trust in him. Don't just stand by idly and do nothing. Living your own way, doing whatever you want all the time. Let your plans and your life be a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so privileged to be able to gather together as a church body and to just come and worship you and and listen to your word. We just thank you for pouring out your grace and your mercy on us, even though we do not deserve it. So this morning, I pray over us as a church that we would submit our lives to your will, that we would truly give everything to you because you've given everything to us. In Christ we have life, we have freedom and we are able to think differently and act differently than the world because of Christ. He gives us a new heart and a new mind and a new way of thinking. So let us leave here differently than we came in. Let us depend on you, Lord. Let us be living sacrifices for your kingdom. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.